I am Danika. And I am Myra. And this is the Black Women Healing Podcast. A space to discuss mental wellness. A space to dive into soul care and vulnerability. Here, we will support you on your journey as you focus on your healing. While also giving you the work along the way. Welcome to Black Women Healing Podcast. Y'all, it's official. We are an Amazon affiliate. And it's only right because I let till book is offered on Amazon. If you haven't already checked it out, go ahead and click the link in our description and check it out. Help us support you while we support us, while we all support each other, if you know what I'm saying. All right, y'all, check it out. Hey, hey everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we both started this time. You could go. Okay. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Black Women Healing Podcast. Um, and we are super excited for another special guest. Uh, today we have Phoebe. Um, and I am going to introduce her a little bit more. But before we get started, we're going to engage in a random discussion. Um, so Taking a random discussion. Let me think of something really quick. You're gonna think of something. This is interesting. <laughs> this never happens. Okay. Um. Okay. I'm stuck already. She's gonna ask us something wild, y'all. <laughs> you want me to just ask you? Oh no. Um. Let me see. <laughs> it ain't on there. I don't know why you're looking for it. I'm thinking. Um. <laughs> uh, Okay, so this is just a random question just popped in my head literally right now. Okay. What do y'all think about um, like growing up, especially with schools, a lot of times you will have schools that wear uniforms and schools that you don't wear uniforms, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so like, do you think that there was like a method to that madness? Like, what do you think about that in general? I'll go first. So <laughs> why you gotta go first? You can't ask me first. I always ask you first. All right, you go first. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, no, excited. Okay. I I think it's a way to institutionalize kids um, because why is it that, you know, you have to control what they're wearing? Um, I actually was listening to a podcast and this is actually a discussion that they had. I feel like kids should be able to have freedom of choice in what they wear and they should be able to express themselves in that way. And, you know, it makes me think about what about the kids who couldn't afford like their uniforms and then they had to wear like hand-me-downs or they only had like one collar shirt and it has to be washed it every day so I don't know it just I don't know I feel like it's it's not good like I feel like uniform should not be a thing but then at the same time I have both experiences where I kind of enjoy wearing uniform because I didn't have to think about anything but then I was thinking about my friends who like where I grew up at like they couldn't afford it and so mm-hmm. what they could afford was like jeans from Goodwill and like a white shirt which was like you know our uniform was blue pants and a white collar shirt but that's the closest they can get to it so I don't know I have my feels about it it honestly irritates me (laughs) yeah it's most definitely pros and cons I can get what you're saying about this piece of like institutionalized and having to be a certain way um because when you really think about it uniforms ain't that cheap they're not at all they're not Um, so, like, I mean, whether you go into the Goodwill to get uniforms, are you getting regular clothes? But what about the uniforms that are very specific? Because some schools, they oh. have, like, you got to have the sweater with the emblem. You got to have the skirt that has the multiple colors. Like, you got to have the pants that have the multiple colors. You lucky if you have a uniform that's just blue or black pants and a white collar shirt. But that's, that's not usually private schools, though, right? No, it's not no. always private schools. Oh. Mm-mm. I'm not sure yeah so and those things are not cheap at all like uh, like it just makes you frustrated even thinking about it and then it's like you don't want to have to wear the same thing over and over what about that person that can't afford to buy five shirts and five pairs of pants or bottoms 
Yeah, no. So they gotta rewash their stuff every other day. That costs money too, unless they washing the bathtub. That like, costs money too. <laughs> I don't know. I'm having flashbacks to what I used to have to do. I, I used to have to wash it in the bathtub until like my mom, like most of my life, my mom didn't make that much money. Mm-hmm. And then luckily my mom, like sixth grade, she started making more money so we could buy more uniforms. But before that, it was a struggle. Like, really? and then you had to wear certain shoes. And I'm like, oh my oh, gosh, yeah. my Payless shoes be falling apart. <laughs> Phoebe, what do yeah. you think about this? <laughs> See, where where I'm from, uniforms were were pretty standard. And so we didn't have to like think about what what other options there were. It was such a, a bougie idea to, to go to school wearing your own clothes. So that that was what that's all I've I've been used to. But I get it. It feels like uniforms are pretty expensive because now, you know, I have kids and so we go to places like, you know, children's place and all that. And I just keep thinking like if we ever have to get to that place of wearing uniforms like, like it's it's gonna get pricey it really will be and yeah like like I said uniforms is all we're used to mm-hmm. and we have to like sew them in a certain way and they had to look a certain way and sometimes I was in schools where like if it wasn't in a particular way you could get in trouble for that mm-hmm. 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 yeah so yeah. like also taking away you're thinking of like style like you can style mm-hmm. uniform only. It's only so much you can do. So it's also like that piece too. If you don't get in trouble for styling. Exactly. It's another reason for you to get in trouble. And so then you like you get. I'm getting mm-hmm. trouble for having a little style, for having a little swag. I'm getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. Don't take away my creativity. Um. So yeah, no, that is that's another thing too. I'm thinking of of like in school trying to really jazz up your uniform. Like I know that for. I've went to schools where you didn't have to wear a uniform and you did. So I understand both. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as the money thing, I do feel like equally both of them cost a lot. Like it's not like necessarily one is cheaper than the other, but I think that like the schools where you had to wear a uniform, like they really were more strict on like, you know, like they didn't, like they didn't play. Like you had shoes that had like even a smidge of black and they said all white shoes you they would put, make you put a piece of tape over it or something which is also defeating the whole like wow that actually oh, ours was like you got detention sometimes they would do that too but like they they claim that they didn't want it to cause attention but if i have a piece of tape on my shoe that's causing more attention even yeah i think even with the <laughs> note with the nose they you weren't supposed to have piercings i think if you had a nose ring or something, then you was technically supposed to like put a piece of tape. Why are you running people's lives like this? Exactly. Um, yeah, looking back, yeah, that's exactly what it felt like. Like, but you know, you figured it out, you did what you did. <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. We have to get creative here and there. I went to a high school where I went to boarding school where they would not allow us to even wear like lip gloss. You had to like wear lip balm. And yeah, we were fortunate to wear we could wear some um, uniforms during school hours. And then we could wear our own clothes after school. And that brought a whole different like dynamic with hierarchy with who was wearing designer stuff, who wasn't. And mm-hmm. it was it was a struggle sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're gonna go ahead and get into today's episode. Um I know I asked y'all already, but Phoebe, can you pronounce your name just in case I say it wrong? I want people to know how to say it. So <laughs> I, I feel you. I feel you. My name is Phoebe Brackwoosu. Okay, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce Phoebe you all. So born and raised in Ghana, Phoebe learned the importance of mental health and wellness when she started college. She is an award-winning, trauma-trained, licensed marriage and family therapist with a private practice based in Tacoma, Washington. 
Phoebe is passionate about serving people of color and immigrants. She also hosts the podcast, Emma Stories with Phoebe. Outside of work, Phoebe spends her time being a boy mom, running after two toddlers, and bouncing a newborn. Ooh, and loves a good twerk. Ooh, in the middle of a grocery store. <laughs> okay, Phoebe, I'm feeling all of this. Mm-hmm. In specifics, like, so as you all can see, we can talk about a whole bunch of different things with Phoebe, but today we're actually going to be focused on, like, trauma and the immigrant experiences and specifics in America. And so uh, getting straight into it, Phoebe, can you share about your experience and passion and trauma and immigrant experiences overall? Absolutely. Well, before that, I just want to say thank you so much for for having me on here. You all are lovely, and I'm, I've even enjoyed the, the beginning conversation so much. You know, talking <laughs> about some things as random as uniforms. And so, so yeah. So my name is is, is Phoebe um, Brafowusu, and you know, trauma. When you think of the word, it, it's kind of been thrown around a lot, especially in in today's world. Um, but some people might not exactly know what what trauma. Is. And so I'm going to start off just by defining trauma as any um, deep, really impactful or terrible event that happens to someone or that they witness or they're exposed to or um, that they hear about. And so I've been a therapist for about nine years and I was certified to treat trauma in uh, 2015. And, you know, my passion for, for the trauma work came from my own work in, in therapy um, just dealing with my own past traumas and, and realizing how normalized trauma was in my culture. The word trauma wasn't something that I heard off a lot growing up. And, you know, I might have read about it here and there because I, I used to, I still do, I, I used to read a lot when I was younger. So I would see the word in, in books here and there, but it wasn't something that held weight for me growing up. So I, I immigrated from Ghana to the, to the U.S. in 2007. Ghana is, is in West Africa. I came to college in North Carolina. I went to Salem College. And so just with thinking about my experience moving here by myself at a very ripe age of 18 and having some really difficult experiences along the way, you know, I, I realized that I, I needed some support and also that the support that I was getting was from mostly people who looked like me, my fellow immigrants, because they understood where I was coming from. They yeah. knew the stories, they knew the experiences. I didn't have to do a whole lot of explaining because it was like, you know, I would go talk to somebody like, yo, today, today has been hard. Financial aid sent me an email and I didn't have to like say much. People got it. So I went to a school that had um, a number of us there, you know, international students, and at that time, I didn't really even recognize that or identify with the term immigrant. I was just an international student. I was here on what we call an F-1 visa. So I would go talk to my fellow F-1 folks. And yeah, we, we shared some tears. We, we laughed. You know, we had people from Ghana. We had people from Kenya, Ethiopia, Nepal, India. And you know, we, had, we had our little international student community. And so I just realized that it, it worked easier. It was nice to talk with people who knew where I was coming from, who understood those experiences that I had. And so, you know, my passion as, as, as a therapist and as an immigrant really came from those personal experiences that I had. And so I, right now I look at it truly as an honor to be able to support immigrants like myself 
to process and unpack some of these traumas that we've experienced because sometimes people don't even realize like yo that was a trauma and that's why I respond this way and that's why this comes up for me sometimes because you just it's so normal to us it's like oh yeah yeah my so-and-so passed away and so yeah, yeah. sometimes I see in my dreams and okay mm-hmm, let's move on yeah wow thank you for even like sharing your personal experience we mm-hmm. really value personal experience on this podcast so mm-hmm. for being even open to actually sharing it oftentimes people like run from it but you know right yeah yeah um, I'm curious, in your experience, what are some common mental health concerns that you have noticed that immigrants in specific struggle with? Yeah, when, when it comes to that, you know, I'm thinking about the, the general um, typical diagnosis that we see as, as therapists, you know, in our everyday professions and in working with clients. Anxiety and depression are two big things. And it's not just, you know, being sad or you know, wanting to uh, keep to yourself or sleeping a lot and things like that. There's different layers that come with that as an immigrant because you're adjusting to a new patients that you had from back home. And these expectations that may like not necessarily come to fruition for you. And so, you may have had this dream of coming to a place like America to have a certain kind of life. And then you realize, oh Lord, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. So people might come here with certain dreams of having certain kinds of careers and then realize I can't even, I don't even qualify for this kind of job because I'm not American. People might have dreams of like, you know, just really quick example here of me joining. So, you know, I, I'm a vet wife and my husband was in the military for, for 13 years. And they might have this idea of like, yeah, I want to come serve in the military. And I come to find out you can't just join because there's a program that existed for immigrants to be able to join and that program got canceled. So if you're not at least a permanent resident, you can't join the military. Mm-hmm. Or there's certain jobs that require such, um, certain federal clearances. And then you come here as an immigrant and you realize, yeah, I, can, I can't even do that. Or certain jobs that just won't hire you because they're not willing to sponsor you be able to stay here and give you a work visa so there's there's all these different layers there's the isolation moving to a different country not really knowing a lot of people and then you're dealing with the immigration system there's the cost you know there's trying to to figure out what your status is if you're trying to to be here legally for example and then there's the anxiety of being here and not being documented And the stress that comes with that, looking over your shoulder every time, going by a different name, for example, at work. And, you know, just all, even with, with dealing with the immigration system, the anxiety of not knowing that your case is going to be, for example, approved. And knowing that even though you've paid USCIS all this money, there's no guarantee that they're going to give you your paper, that they're going to give you a green card or you're going to get that citizenship. Mm-hmm. There's also, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder from the journey that brings people here. We talk about people crossing the border and, you know, leaving their countries on foot, running away from um, all these different horrible experiences that they've had in their home countries. And I'm talking about like south, uh, south of the U.S. border, for example. And just thinking even about people who come out here on, um, you know, stowaways, right? Mm-hmm. Get on a cargo ship, for example, things like that. The trauma of that that in itself 
it brings up PTSD for, for people. And then even for people who settle here with their families, there's a lot of changes that come with the family structure based on people's statuses. So maybe you had a dad who was the, uh, for example, the, the breadwinner, he was doing all these things. And then he comes here and all of a sudden maybe he's undocumented. And so he can't even go out and get a, a job that's going to pay him well to be able to take care of his family. So all of a sudden, maybe his daughter is the one who has, you know, who is documented. She's the one who gets to go out and make the big money. And then all of a sudden, there's a shift that comes in the family where the roles are changing because now the, the, the daughter has more money. And so she has a change in power dynamics in the family. So that's something that can disrupt the family system, mm -hmm. right? And even when you think about going into to therapy or getting into the mental health system and things like that. There isn't always access to culturally um, competent therapists and mm. people who can do the work. So there's all these, like I said, there's all these different layers that come up with the different mental health concerns that immigrants will, will struggle with. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Thank you for diving into that. Cause it's like, I, I've heard these things, but now hearing this from you diving a little bit further, I feel like other people really need to hear this episode just because like, oh yeah I don't know I feel like we need to bring more awareness to this um what are some encouraging words that you might share to those who might find therapy beneficial but stray away due to feeling this is another instance where they may not be understood this is so real this is something that <laughs> you know I for real like you y'all are giving this opportunity to me to talk about this but I don't know if you all understand how heavy this particular thing is and, and how, how happy I am for you all to give me this platform to share this. Because there's a lot of immigrants who are, are struggling, um, who wants to talk to somebody, who wants to get some support, who want to be held, sometimes really just a hug, right? But th there's a lot of barriers that get in the way of that. And so the encouraging word that I want to, to start off with is that there's always somebody for you. You might have to look a little harder. You might have to dig a little deeper, but there's always somebody for you. And therapy is kind of a trial and error kind of thing. It's like going to a shoe store, right? <laughs> and trying on a few shoes here and there. You know, I'm not a heels kind of person because your girl can't walk in these heels because, you know, <laughs> the way that the feet, the feet are shaped, it just doesn't work, right? And so sometimes, even for me, I have to do a lot of like trial and error and see which, which one of these is going to fit. That's how therapy can be. And sometimes it's exhausting because it feels like you're telling your story over and over and over again. But it's worth it once you find that person yeah. that can sit with you and, and hear you. And, you know, there's people who are trained to support you and give you that listening ear. And for, for, for immigrants, you know, the big thing is that you're not betraying your culture. You're not betraying your family values by seeking help or by talking to someone about the things that you're struggling with personally or in your family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I love the way, like how you just explained, even like the shoe analogy, because how you say like, oh, I don't like, you know, I don't really wear heels. My feet is not really set up for that. It's kind of like, that's a great analogy of thinking even with therapy, like, you know, you really have to figure out like what's shaped for you and what's really mm -hmm. meant for you and the way you want to talk about things. So mm -hmm. I absolutely love that. Um, so thinking historically, do you think that the immigrant experience has improved overall 
If not, give some explanation. If so, give a little bit more detail. Um, yeah, you know, when you think about the immigrant experience over the years, it, I can't really say yes or no to this. Because there's, I can, I can say that there's been improvements in, in relationships amongst immigrant groups where we see that, you know, listen, at the end of the day, we're all we got here and we have to support one another. And so you have, you know, immigrants from all these different, you know, say African countries or Middle Eastern countries. And it's, you know, we, there's been this kind of tension among different groups because there's the model immigrants you know, from Asia and the not so model immigrant, for example, like you think about immigrants from Nigeria who have had to deal with the stereotype of being fraudsters and things like that just because of things in the media, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's there's been this tension, but I feel like over the years, we're starting to understand who was responsible for the, those mis, the, the misinformation. And we're seeing that we have to be there for, for one another. We have to support one another. And you know, I think about just historically how immigration has worked, where one person immigrates to a certain place. They're like, oh, okay, you know what, Denver is not that bad. And then they bring their family there. And then other people are like, oh, yeah, my friend is in Denver. So, hey, you know, there's a familiar face. There's that familiarity. So they come and then they relocate together for, for, for connection, right? And so there's more dialogue that's happening to, to make sure that we're more connected. And then also on, on the other side of that, you know, just to address your question, we have to also acknowledge how the last administration in this country brought to height this anti-immigrant rhetoric that was laced mm -hmm. with racism towards people of color. Yep. So we know that statistically speaking, like the crimes against people of color and, and immigrants rose, you know, within in those years, people did not feel safe people did not even feel safe to report these crimes. And so even if the numbers are saying, hey, those is, you know, I, I can't think off the top of my head what the exact percentage was, but if for example, it was like a 14% increase, we also know that that 14% is not necessarily uh, a true reflection because it's, a lot of these crimes go unreported because people are scared. Like if I go report and then they ask to see my ID mm -hmm. and I don't have that ID, like what, where does this lead us, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so things have gotten better in some ways, you know, we're having more conversations, you know, we're, I'm thinking about the, what's that Broadway play, Hamilton, right? And there's that song on there that says, um, immigrants would get the job done, right? And then it was like, oh, hey, you know, like, yeah, immigrants, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, but in that same way, people have also stereotyped us to be people who steal jobs. I don't realize, well, there's all these jobs that the average American does not want to do because they're probably saying, okay. you know, I'm too good for this or something like that. And the immigrant who is looking for money to send home to their family at the end of the month, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. Because in many ways, it might even be better than what the worst would be for us in other countries, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, most definitely. Yeah, thank you for giving both sides of that. I I completely, from on the outside looking in, completely agree and can resonate with some of the things you've said, especially as far as like this piece of like communication and more dialogue. Um, in undergrad, I used to be a part of African Student Union and mm -hmm. a lot of the Black Americans wouldn't be a part of it. So I'm, I'm over yeah. here with a, a bunch of different students from different countries in Africa. And mm -hmm. we're talking about like, why come black americans and right different black folk from different countries have like this 
like disconnect and a lot of it was because of like yeah. media and what they were taught from their grandparents and what we were taught from our grandparents yeah. and all that stuff and so us yeah. having the dialogue a lot of times and actually being a hanging around each other it like dismantled mm -hmm. a lot of these like stereotypical things about each other so i thought for sure for sure yeah. for sure yeah absolutely and and that's something that I've also even put on myself in, in having these conversations because I know that I didn't come to this place just because I didn't come to a place of understanding of what it means to be black in America, for example, just by myself. Yeah. You know, though it came from having conversations with with a lot of my African American brothers and sisters and and being honest about the the stereotypes that I had and some of the prejudices that I had about African Americans when I first moved here, even before I moved here, just based on things that I saw on CNN and, and BBC right. and yes. um, MTV, right? Yes, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so if I had to ask some resources that you might share for work, um, for, for those to support for this experience outside of the therapy room, um, what are some resources that you think can be helpful? So yeah, that, that's a really good question. There's a lot of, of stuff out there. And for people who are on social media, for example, there's all these pages that you can follow to, to connect with um, people who are like-minded or just to educate yourself. I think of pages like um, Latinx Therapy. They have great resources. Um, I Am an Immigrant is another great page um, that I follow. And, um, and these are all pages that I follow too. So uh, I think about Immigrant Rising, that's another, another wonderful page. Brown Girl Therapy is also an amazing page. Um, and progressive, um, progressive Migrants. And there's also a bunch of different therapists out there who um, are committed to this work. And so sometimes you just kind of have to search for a hashtag immigrants on there and see what, what's out there. And also, um, this podcast, you know, so I think in my intro, you, you brought up the podcasting. And so if you're interested in listening to immigrant stories and um, just the immigrant experience, you might my podcast, um, Immigrants, um, Immigrant Stories with Phoebe, sorry, um, is, is one where we talk about these kinds of things. We share those stories that people don't necessarily talk about. We talk about random things like food and even what it's like for us as Black immigrants and our experiences with African-Americans and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. um, also, there's the Latinx therapy. They have a, a podcast and they talk a lot about mental health and resources that are out there for our Latinx brothers and sisters. And um, uh, Only in America is, is another good one. And uh, Immigrantly podcast. And so um, there's a few uh, documentaries on there or movies I do on on Netflix, for example, is really good. And on Amazon, there's a there's one on there that is called, I think, They Come to America. And, you know, some of these things will just kind of give you an idea of what the immigrant experience is like and that it's not just black and brown immigrants that are moving to, to the US in numbers, right? And right. Immigration Nation on Netflix, that's another really, really good one. And Living Undocumented. Yeah, hmm. yep, yep. Yeah, so there's there's a lot out there, you know. There is so much, you know. You can add a lot of these things to your to your list to kind of catch up. It, it, it's you know some of these topics can be kind of heavy, so you have to pace yourself. You can't just like go on a on a binge yeah. on it, you know. You gotta like watch one episode at a time. Be like, oh my god, like this is what it's like, and then come back to it after you're you're done watching your. I don't know if people watch this issue, Grey's Anatomy or something. 
um and and you know in terms of like resources since we're talking about trauma and mental health you know people are trying to figure out how to find therapists to talk to you can always look in these directories that are online therapy for black girls at college today latinx therapy um, melanin and mental health is a great place inclusive therapists also is a really good um, directory where you can find um, therapists to to talk to Nice. Thank you for that. As we wrap yeah. up, we always like to ask if people have any takeaways for our listeners and takeaways can literally be like anything. It can be your favorite quote of the week. It could be something you're watching. You want other people to watch. So do you have a takeaway you want to share with our listeners? Uh, takeaway. I think, uh, I think, um, uh, let's see a good takeaway just based on everything that we're talking about is that, you know, we don't have to keep things to ourselves. Mm. we we can talk about things right but we also have to be intentional about who we talk to about these things because people don't always know how to respond to difficult things Mm -hmm. that happen to us and so we have to be like really really selective about who we 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 talk to Um, and you know we also have to do our own research and learn our on our own time and we can't expect immigrants to take on the role of our educators and to educate us on on everything that has to do with immigration and the immigrant experience. I don't think that that's, that's fair. People have to do their own, our, their own research. And, you know, cause we're not, we're not all the same. Immigrants are not a monolith, right? right. We're from different places, have different cultures. And we even have different immigrant experiences. We have different ways in which we come to America. Right. People come here on visas. People come here as asylum seekers, you know, and for God's sake, people, when someone says their home country, like, we don't need to immediately respond with, oh yeah, I know somebody from, you know, some other country. When I feel like I'm from Ghana, like, oh yeah, my cousin married somebody from Botswana. Um, okay, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. <laughs> what am I, like, Ghana is very far from Botswana. And personally, I don't even know anybody from Botswana. So what am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. And even if you did, right, it's kind of like taking away, like, that for your experience, right? To right. Uh, yeah yeah so i think i feel like that was more than one takeaway but y'all get my drip (laughs) (laughs) well we want to thank you today for joining us and we look forward to keeping in touch with you yes thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure y'all we hope you enjoyed our recent conversation with phoebe and it's been making me think about this influx of cultural competency slash cultural humility training and did i tell you how my job decided they're going to have a cultural competency training and first off I was triggered the whole thing I turned off my camera and got up and left at one point and then I started complaining in the chat so paint the picture it's two white women I'm already triggered and to set the foundation they gave an education on um minorities experience within the foster care system but they only talked about black people right and so they talked about the struggles of Black people. And I'm like, what? you two did research and you telling me about experience of Black people. So I'm already like, this is so uncomfortable. Like, this is the oddest shit like I ever sat through. And so it got to the point where they started talking about, um, what was it where I was like, I'm just not like... Ew. They they were showing pictures that were uncomfortable of like black people like using um food stamps. Like it was just it was way too much for me. And it got to the point where they were like, 
they had us do this little thing where you have to think about how you immerse yourself in different cultures mm-hmm. and they were like if you find your that you don't really immerse yourself in different cultures and you need to find like cultural events and just show up to them whether it be like a a church event this that, and, that. <laughs> and I'm like if you show up to a black church we all gonna look at you like why are you here like what and you can't just go to like I get there's culture events where people are welcome but that's not every experience like you can't just show up at any cultural event and think they're gonna accept you and so it was just bad girl I like literally like at one point they were talking about black people so much where I was like how is this how am I learning anything like this is all you're gonna talk about and they had asked anybody have questions and I was like do you are we gonna talk about people besides like black people because it just felt like they were painting this picture of like black people are just like bad people that's what I ultimately felt like and they were like well we're just talking about like the research that we have girl I turned off my camera and walked away and I um I had texted my supervisor like I can't sit through this like this is just way too much absolutely luckily like and you know I always talk about director of our program black lady Mm -hmm. well yeah she wasn't there at the time but I guess other people were feeling uncomfortable too and so it's like written all over everybody's face but at this point my camera's off because I'm like I'm not sitting through this like my heart is like racing like I'm like I feel like I'm about to die listening to this like it's so uncomfortable especially like looking at their faces like who are y'all to tell me this who are y'all long story short we had a, a break and then we come back and then the, uh, my supervisor not the black lady I was talking about but my supervisor she was like oh we're gonna do a breakout room with just the people who like work at you know this company mm-hmm. So we go into a breakout room and it's like Jesus popped in, but it's my black director I'll tell you about. And she like appears on the screen. I was like, wait, what? Why is she here? Long story short, my supervisor was like, I noticed that people felt uncomfortable. And like, I ended up speaking into it. Like, I can't sit through this. This is just like triggering, like seeing like two white women talk about the research that they did. They're only talking about black people. Like, what about these other kids in the foster care system? Like, why are we only focusing on this? Long story short, my director was like we're gonna end it for the rest of the day everybody's relaxed we'll do a check-in she was like I'll go back and talk that's why I'm like I love that like she's black because she stands in her blackness whereas I feel like I don't know I've had other experiences with black women where it's like they feel like they have to like sit through it and I, I, I told her, I was like, I can't sit through this. And all my coworkers backed it up too. They were like, we can't sit through this either. Like, this is uncomfortable. Hey. And it's crazy because my supervisor, like, she's still getting used to being a supervisor. So I could tell she was like struggling to navigate it. And I was shocked she spoke up and said something. But I say all that to say, like, when we have conversations about like culture, cultural humility, humility like we have to be a little bit more mindful about how we address these conversations how we step into these spaces, how we're mindful of different people. Like, I would never lead a conversation that's talking about the Latinx experience. What do I know? Why would you do that? Like, who? I don't understand how you would even be comfortable accepting doing something like that. Like, I don't care how much research you do. And this is a presentation they've done for tons of people. And I'm like, how are you doing this? And this is okay. You're just not about to ever tell me. Like, I understand you can do like, because we, this past Friday, we did another like cultural humility, like training. Got to shout out Gimel Rogers. Like, she's amazing. Like, amazing research lady. But the way she approached it was very different in that. Like, I don't know everything. Let's talk about how we have these conversations and how we address them. That's fine. But for you to give me all this research that you just looked up and like 
no, like you don't live this experience and I'm not, this is uncomfortable to listen to that. But yeah, I say all that to say, like, we got to be a little bit more mindful because I, when I say that was triggering, I was like, I literally got up and walked away. I wouldn't sit on my balcony. Exactly though. Shout out to your supervisor for being like, nope, we're stopping this now. We're not yeah. even like want to let them finish. Like it's no point because it's actually more damaging than helpful. Very so, damaging. Like that was horrible. But yeah, that was that. I don't know that's yeah no that's disgusting that that's still that type of stuff is still happening and I understand like especially in San Diego that the population the black population is a little small but I feel like at that point you can you need to you should be paying black folks to share their experiences you know what I'm saying get some volunteers or something you're not about to tell me you tried because I feel like what happens is a lot of these companies they get grants and they get all of this money and instead of giving that money back to the community, they, they end up being like, well, we already have this. You, you're a clinician here or you're whoever here. We just going to make you do it and talk about something that you don't know about. Me and Isaac go back and forth about this all the time because, you know, he's in like the disabled community. Mm-hmm. And I always tell him, like, I think it's kind of fucked up that you're in this community, but the people who are running it, none of these people have a disability. None of these people can't speak to that experience. Like, bring people in and then he's like well what if the people don't have the training get them the training what do you mean like you need to get them the training like I'm not understanding like that's why I really value like where I work because like when I first came on there was no black therapist but I know like they made sure I was hired and made sure I got like you know the training and things like that because it's so many freaking black foster kids and it's not that many black therapists so I feel like we need to have faces that can speak to these things versus like we decide to speak for it because you need to have some type of personal experience I just feel like mm-hmm. backed up with training because how are you like people are not going to perceive you correctly just like how these white women showed up and I was I low-key gasped like <laughs> <laughs> like when they appeared on the screen like whoa and like the perspective they came from I was like they don't even know what they talking about they yeah. set up here and google some stuff it wasn't even like no heavy no research word. it was google yeah it might as well be reading off a, a news uh comment or you know what I'm saying like just yeah yeah so damaging but that's how we was talking about these images or like this like uh like news how the news platform how the news portrays different cultures and all of that stuff like yeah no you can't you can't speak to someone's experience I even think when it comes to culture in general like obviously you never can be competent in it but like even through cultures you have then individual experiences so then you still can't even like lump together you You know what I'm saying so it's like okay you can say that you met a few I don't know black folk who I don't know uh I'm trying to think of something who don't talk about the issues or mass incarceration right but that's not every black person's experience exactly so like speaking to that from like individual perspectives I think is also important like not assuming that this is everyone's culture um and why we have other intersections it's not even like I mean Phoebe's a prime example of like the immigrant experiences on top of being a black person on top of you know what I'm saying being a mom all these other pieces Mm -hmm. those are cultures Mm -hmm. all different Mm -hmm. cultures so it's intersectionality right it's literally impossible to be like okay I know everything about her because I, I've talked to other people who have similar cultures than her. Like I, I would never. I would never. I feel like talking to other people gives you some awareness, but right. it doesn't give you all the knowledge. Right. Yeah. 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 So that is it for this week's episode of Black Women Healing Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. 
and joined. We hope you enjoyed <laughs> and join in on the conversation. So talk to y'all later. Bye. So y'all, we have to shout out our friends over at Fiverr. We are officially a Fiverr affiliate and I love Fiverr because you can literally go to them for any type of project you might want to work on, whether it be if you need a new logo, you need help with the resume, you need help with social media, they help you over there. So go ahead and check out our friends over at Fiverr. That's 5-E-R-R. So five with two R's at the end. So go ahead and check them out with the link in our bio and tell them that we sent you.